You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into whatever electronic device you're using. Who am I to judge? I'm your host, AJ Andrews of jaysrundacouch.com, and welcome to another installment of Division Day Wednesday, where we're doing crossover episodes with each of the other hosts in the division. Locked On Podcast Network has all 30 teams covered, so you know we're able to give you the best info on what you need from any team at any time. You can just you know, search Locked On Team and you will find a great host. And I'm lucky to be joined by one of the best hosts on the network. She is a freaking dynamo. She's like out there on social media every day trumpeting the cause for the Red Sox. And she's been on the show multiple times because I enjoy talking to her because she is a wonderful repository of baseball knowledge and a passionate member of the Boston fan community. So who better to follow up Stacey Gutsulius of Locked on Yankees than by going to the other member of that rivalry and the other fellow female in the AL East, Gabrielle Starr of Locked on Red Sox. Gab, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh my God. That was like the nicest introduction I have ever received. AJ, thank you. <laughs> That's what you get when you come on the show. You get the honey dripping until it becomes time to talk about teams. And then I just get snarky as heck. (laughs) You and me both. So, okay. Do you want to start off by interrogating me or do you want me to start off by interrogating you? I think you should ask the questions first. All right. So I'll kick it off. The first things first, the Blue Jays, I have been saying all winter long, I feel like they are going to be really good this year and I feel like they are one of the teams that are being slept on big time around you know baseball Twitter and baseball media how high are your expectations for your team this year okay so spoiler alert for the final segment um very high super high like um I mean it's fine (laughs) (laughs) um so You know, I've been a Blue Jays fan since I was like five or six when Blue Jays games would come on uh, the old aerial TV out at my parents' place in the middle of nowhere. And this is the first time I can remember where there's actual legitimate, like, we can win the World Series kind of hope. And like, the the 2015 2016 seasons there there was that that kind of buzz there wasn't really that buzz in 2015 because that season came out of nowhere and then 2016 you know there was that residual belief that oh maybe we can do this but you know losing david price there there were still doubts that the rotation would be able to hold up granted there's still some problems with the rotation that i'm sure we're going to be talking about but there's still um so much more tangible hope, especially with the acquisition of George Springer coming in there. He's the first like mega free agent the Blue Jays have been able to learn. Like Hyunjin Ryu was a big signing, but 
there wasn't really the the fervor over Ryu that there was over Garrett Cole in that free agent period. George Springer was like big ticket. Like everyone's going after him and the Blue Jays managed to get him. And we don't do that. So being able to have that level of talent injected into a core that should be on the up and up, it has a lot of people excited on Blue Jays Twitter. And I'm excited with them because... You know, the past couple years, I've had to try and make a team with Sam Gaviglio and Wilmer Font on it sound exciting on on a daily basis. And I'm good, Gab, but, you know, I'm not a miracle worker. I mean, very relatable given what I had to cover last season. And, you know, I'm I'm not going to we're not going to play like the World (laughs) Series championships, you know, whatever. Let's just all be honest here and say that it's not easy when your team's just terrible day after day, because what are you supposed to say? Like, oh, the bullpen blew it again. The pitching is terrible. (laughs) No one's hitting. Like for us, it's not, it's not easy. It's not fun when you're just saying the same thing over and over again. There's only so many ways to say it. So yes, I am also very excited about your team. Um, I've got a couple things. So, So you actually already touched on some of the things I wanted to ask you. So George Springer, first of all, what did it feel like you mentioned that the Blue Jays have were finally able to lure a big name to Toronto? And I think you're right. They are not typically the team that's getting the big marquee name. And George Springer is obviously that name. So what kind of impact do you expect him to have both in game, but also just the marquee talent. I mean, it's huge for you guys. You got Ryu last year. I thought no one made enough of a deal about him coming. Your team is stacked and no <laughs> one's talking about it. Yeah. Um, earlier this offseason, um, after the signings, uh, Andrew Stoughton, who's a very popular Blue Jays writer, pointed out that everyone trying to do the daily lineup for the Blue Jays um, everyone was right because there's like no wrong way to actually put this lineup together just because it is so stacked from top to bottom. We haven't even mentioned Marcus Simeon coming in either. And, you know, filling, my filling, next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Simeon coming in, allowing Kevin Biggio to shift to be the everyday third baseman and take Travis Shaw's bat out of the lineup. No offense, I know Shaw's a former Red Sox guy, but you can't be batting 230 in the lineup and That's and fine. not have the home runs to make up for it. Um, but it just makes that lineup so much more complete to the point where, you know, I'm looking, I don't see at-bats for Randall Grichuk, and he had 12 home runs in 55 games last year. And that that is a level of just up-and-down talent I don't think the Blue Jays have had in a long time. You you could always point like, this is a dangerous part of the lineup. And then here's Minori Kawasaki in the nine hole. So there, there were breathers for pitchers. They're not going to get a breather against this team because every one of the guys in the lineup is an established, confident hitter. And getting guys like Springer and Simeon, who have had playoff success as well, um, Semyon had a great series against the Astros last year, even after that slow start to his 2020. And Springer, we can rattle off his pl- playoff credentials for the entire episode, but I don't think that's going to be very entertaining. So having having guys with winning pedigrees come in, 
and and join you know the baby jays do have a championship under they under their belt they won at double a new hampshire but having these guys come in and be able to you know show them what winning at the major league level looks like that's just an added bit of you know necessary experience to try and help push this team to a level where you know they don't get swept in the first round by tampa bay yeah and you know what's funny is you mentioned gritchick no red sox batter in 2020 hit more than 11 home runs and the top two were xander bogarts and rafael devers and it each took them 56 and 57 games respectively to do so is rowdy telez still on your team yes okay so rowdy telez i don't know if you noticed this but rowdy telez low-key red sox killer Mm -hmm. 33 career home runs four of them have come at fenway park two of them have come off eduardo rodriguez one of two of them off colton brewer one of them off Evaldi, one of them off Josh Taylor. The guy loves to homer <laughs> off of yeah the Boston Red Sox. I mean, Rowdy literally loves him some Fenway. Eleven career home runs out of thirty-three have come against the Red Sox since twenty nineteen. Yeah. That is ridiculous. So we're not even talking about like the big bats. You guys also just have this guy. Also love that he is a Jewish baseball player, but the guy is a Red Sox killer. And it's just really funny because you always have like those guys randomly who hit really well against one team or in one ballpark. Like for some reason, I think Mitch Moreland always hit really well against the Oakland A's and now he's on the Oakland A's, but (laughs) Yeah, just, I mean, your team is going to be so fun to watch. And I low-key, my final question to you is, do you think that they can go head-to-head with the Yankees? Because everyone's saying that the Yankees are going to be the top of the division this year, but honestly, I don't see it. Yeah, this is a whole thing. I got into with Stacey last week, just discussing our, our teams. I have and... to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Two episodes worth of goodness. And as much as we talked about how stacked the lineup is for the Blue Jays, it's honestly going to come down to pitching and the rotation in particular. Both the Blue Jays and the Yankees have question marks throughout their rotation behind their aces. The Yankees obviously got Garrett Cole. We got Hyunjin Ryu. Those guys are set. But, you know, there are question marks throughout. Um the Blue Jays, Nate Pearson already has a groin strain and he's supposed to be our number two. And he's supposed to be the guy taking that leap and establishing himself as a credible major league starter this year. And already his spring training has been derailed. And then you have guys like Robbie Ray, Tanner Roark, Steven Matz, who were like, we're kind of hoping they bounce back from 2020 when things were a little odd. So you know, hopefully we get some stuff from them. And then the Yankees have the same issue with guys like Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyon. Like, will they actually get 30 starts out of either of those men? And then it's, can you uh, get a full season out of Jordan Montgomery? Will Davey Garcia be able to make that leap? There's so many question marks in the rotation. It's just going to come down to who can manage it better and who can get the most out of their starters. And I actually do like the Blue Jays. I give them the advantage in that regard just because they have more proven arms going for it. And even if they don't, their depth guys are tested. Anthony Kay has been tested. PJ Zoic has been tested. They have guys who they can call up 
and be able to put them out there and replace those guys if a Tanner Roark's ineffective, if um, Steven Matz has an injury, if Ross Stripling can't step in. They have guys who can go in there. Although if we get to the point where Tommy Malone is starting Blue Jays games, just just end it. End it right there. Honestly, I take your team too. I think your season series is going to be really close. And we'll talk later in the episode about our season series predictions. But I think that the Yankees and the Blue Jays are going to really go head to head. It's going to be really exciting. You know what is really exciting though? Yeah. What? Um, Built Bar's bracket because they have their own version of March Madness going on on the website at BuiltBar.com. They're posting matchups every day, and you can vote on your favorite flavor of Built Bar. So today's matchups, they got German chocolate against salted caramel, and then mocha against birthday cake. And, like, I, I'm pretty sure German chocolate wins that first one for me. I don't know who to vote for in a second one. I, like, I'm, I'm a huge mocha girl, but then birthday cake is, like, the funnest flavor i really don't know who to vote for on that one um but maybe you have a better idea gab or maybe our listeners have better ideas so they can go to builtbar.com click on the bracket make their vote to see their flavor through to the sweetest 16 i'm pretty confident in mocha mocha is a strong contender so reminder go to builtbar.com or to at built underscore bar on twitter and if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20, you get 20% off your next order of tasty, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, coated in chocolate protein bars. And, you know, that's a win for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Just a reminder, guys, that promo code is LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's match and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. We're covering everything you need to know about the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, AJ, I am ready to be questioned. All right, I've, I've got a few. And it starts with obviously the hottest name between our two teams. And that is Joel Pamps. Gab, what's the deal with him? I, I swear to God, we've been playing tug of war over him for like a month and a half. Like, what's the deal with Joel Pamps? Is he really that, that good that, you know, we can't decide who gets him? So he was claimed off the waivers by the Blue Jays like two days ago, right? Yeah. And after y'all reclaimed him after we claimed him from you. Right. And he was put on waivers by the Diamondbacks in November, I believe. Yeah. So there's just this tug of war going on. And he was probably going to start the season at the alternate site, you know, as like a swingman kind of guy for the Red Sox. Now he's back with you guys. Yeah. Are we are we up to speed here that he... Yes. Yeah. Okay, we, um, so now he's back in Toronto camp. All right, we, cool. We DFA'd Jacob Wackus back to get him back. Interesting. So this is so interesting just because, like, I mean, for starters, the Red Sox, like, historically are not known for being good at developing pitchers. So how he would actually do in our camp is 
very questionable just because like over the last few years, we have seen that a lot of our minor league arms are just like not very good. Though I will say part of that is not their fault because if you're calling up guys from AAA to fill in at the major league level before they're ready because your major league pitchers are hurt or doing terribly, you can't really blame them, you know, because it's kind of like eating raw cookie dough and before it's done baking and then wondering why you're getting food poisoning, like maybe because it wasn't ready yet and you should have just waited. But anyway, he has a career 386 ERA in four games. In 2020, he appeared in two games. He had a three ERA. This is a guy whose sample size is so small. He actually already had appeared for the Red Sox in a spring training game. He went one inning, zero ERA, two strikeouts. So, like I said, huge sample size right there. So <laughs> much that we can predict for this guy. I, I can see why both teams have been I know, after him. Right? I mean... It's- I mean, George Springer, who? This guy is great. (laughs) So this guy, you know, it's interesting. He's only appeared in four career games, seven total career innings pitched in the regular season. Honestly, I don't even know what to say. It's kind of funny that they were working so hard to get him. I mean, it's obvious that the Red Sox need to bolster their farm system. So they're going to go after anyone who can remotely throw a baseball because they just need people to... Mm -hmm replenish their farm system but I really don't even know what to tell you because this is just such a comical situation of like he's here he's there he's here he's there I mean the poor kid's probably been going back and forth across Florida for like the last five days baseball whiplash of like which team am I actually on (laughs) he just shows up one day wearing an Orioles jersey just because I don't know hey guys I'm on the Yankees he's literally like Steve Peters where he's played for like every team in the division before 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 spring training's even over (laughs) yeah someone I I pointed this out someone called him this year's Oliver Drake because uh Drake had that same thing where he was kind of bouncing around um but yeah you know fastball slider pitchers they don't they don't grow on trees gab so pants obviously very important to both teams fortunes that that's why it's a little surprising like one of the big things we notice is is the kind of exodus of talent from the Red Sox from a position standpoint obviously I mean Dustin Pedroia has been injured but he retired you now have no members of the starting outfield of that World Series team that you mentioned earlier in the podcast with Jackie Bradley Jr. now signing with the Brewers and probably putting Billy McKinney and Derek Fisher out of work, which is hilarious. And then uh, trading Andrew Benintendi to the Royals and getting Franchi Cordero, who is uh, currently away from the team. And he signed Hunter Renfro which I'm not happy to see him still in the division after what he did to um, Hyunjin Ryu in the playoffs. But what can you expect from this rebuilt outfield to try and, um, you know, support your big bats in the lineup like J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers and Xander Bogart? It was a real punch to the gut to see JBJ leave. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but it doesn't make it hurt any less when it happens. It just is a real shame that the Red Sox don't seem to want to invest in their talent long term, especially since they historically don't have a great record of developing homegrown talent. You know, Mookie, 
Pedroia, JBJ, Benintendi. I think Andrew Benintendi is the outlier just because he clearly needed a change of scenery. I mean, he was really struggling here, but Mookie and JBJ, I mean, that is the kind of duo that you should want to have in your uniform until the end of time, like until they can barely walk and you're like, get them segued mm. so they can like segue around the outfield, like Joe Bluth and Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> JBJ, I really think you're going to feel his absence most when you see the Red Sox pitchers giving up home runs that would have been prevented by JBJ because he mm-hmm. knew the outfield triangle so well that he probably could have done it blindfolded like he was in that Sandra Bullock bird box movie. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy who was just so phenomenal that we got used to him being really good at saving the day and took it for granted. Like I genuinely feel like he was underrated because we just, got used to him saving the day all the time. So I think that the outfield will be okay. I think you're going to see a lot of um, different lineups and a lot of position switching throughout games because Cora really wanted guys this offseason who were versatile. You know, that's why Marwin Gonzalez is here. That's why Kike Hernandez is here. Um, Kike Hernandez has played every single position except catcher. Cora wanted guys that he could move around. So he could switch it up whenever he wanted. And you're going to see some weird stuff this year. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting. I, not um, really good, but interesting. <laughs> we're definitely not not saying good. I did see Danny Santana got a minor league deal as well from you guys. So that's another guy who you can play across the infield. So that'll yeah. help. I guess my final question then before you know we get into our final segment. I, I'm a big fan of pitchers coming from overseas and that still remains even after the experience with Shun Yamaguchi last year. The Red Sox bullpen has always been a bit weird in that you you relied on Matt Barnes as your closer and Matt Barnes has never really had closer stuff. He's been a competent setup man but has never really been that guy to be back there and it looks like he doesn't have to worry about it because not only did you acquire the remains of Adam Adovino from the Yankees, <laughs> but you also signed Hirokazu Sawamura from Japan, from the Omiri Giants. I'm intrigued by Sawamura, and I'm just wondering how you see that closer situation shaking out. Will he be able to outduel Adovino to get the majority of the saves in Boston, whatever saves may be available? <laughs> And just how that kind of shakes out with a bullpen that's needed some level of stability since Craig Kimbrell left. Well, for starters, I will say that in Craig Kimbrell's final season, stability was far from the name of the game. I mean, that guy was a walking panic attack for me, leading all the way up to the ALCS and the fact that in the 2018 postseason, Cora's starting rotation combined for over 13 innings of relief work because he didn't trust his bullpen. So just putting that out there. Um, Mm. You know, Matt Barnes wants to be the closer so badly. Like he says he wants to close, but he can't close. The guy has had so many blown saves over the last two years, including the final game of the 2019 season when he blew the save that cost Eduardo Rodriguez what would have been his 20th win of the season on the last day of the season. And I was there and I legitimately wanted to pull a Drew Barrymore jump over the fence and smack that dude. But that's another story. So between Salamora and Ottavino, I feel like Barnes shouldn't 
have to close. He does much better in, you know, the seventh, eighth innings, even the sixth inning than he does in the closer role. We saw that over the last couple years that like, you know, occasionally he can close, but he has a lot of trouble going from out number two to out number three without loading the bases, <laughs> giving up a grand slam, giving up a home run, giving up a bases clearing double. Like he just can't make, he can't take that extra step without, you know, giving something away first. And that's just too stressful. You can't have that here. Adam Adovino, his numbers from last year are skewed because he had one game in particular that was like really bad. I think he gave up six or seven runs in one inning. And because the season was so short, you know, those one bad games, the same thing for Garrett Richards. If you have one bad game in 2020, your whole ERA for the season is absolutely screwed. So I think the Red Sox had something to do with that too. Um, <laughs> if I recall correctly, we loved seeing Adam Adovino last year because we oh, just great. we had great. his number. Oh, great, great, love yeah. to hear six, that. Six I mean, runs without an out recorded on September seventh. I think that's the game we're talking about. Yeah. So, but you know, the Red Sox today, their Sox notes, they have the stats that they pull. This came out literally this morning, not even five minutes ago. It's like they knew we were talking about this. From 2018 to 2020, Adam Adovino made more scoreless appearances, 140, than any other pitcher in those three years. 81.4% of his outings were scoreless, the highest rate in MLB with a minimum of 150 games. And last season, he allowed zero runs in 19 of his 24 appearances. So maybe we don't have him face your Blue Jays, but Adam (laughs) Adovino can still do it. He can still get it done. So that's great. And then you have Saramura. Obviously, when you bring over a pitcher from Japan, like you said with uh, Yamaguchi, it's a little stressful because the the leagues are just different and sometimes a pitcher doesn't adjust well. Koji Uihara, who of course was our legendary closer in the early 2010s, has been helping Sawamura adjust. He was at JetBlue Park either today or yesterday watching a sim game that he was pitching in and you know he's just he's he's kind of there to advise and help out and I think part of that is because Koji was such a dominant closer the two can really relate to each other he can help him adjust and it is worth noting that in Japan in 10 seasons the guy has a 282 ERA he's closed uh 57 games and he's actually apparently pitched 12 complete games (laughs) as well as four shutouts and he has 75 career saves in 944 innings pitched in his career this is a guy who has some impressive stuff Mm. if they can figure out how to help that kind of carry over into this league you might have another koji situation on your hands where like the red sox actually have a lights out ninth inning guy and I'm not kidding you. When I said that, I got the tingles just at the idea of the Red Sox actually finishing a game in a positive way. Yeah. At the at the very least, the uh, the comparison in my mind was Hideki Okajima, who came over for y'all yeah. and, and was pretty freaking filthy. So oh I now at this point, after the last two years, I literally like drool over the idea of good pitching. That is where we're at. Like I watch good pitching and I'm like, mm, got to get me some of that for my team. Like, please, please. Oh man, it's going to be good. So March Madness is getting into full swing. 
spring training is heating up. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football obviously is over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL are so hot right now. And of course, we are counting down the days till opening day for Major League Baseball. And if you're not into sports, which I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but thank you. BetOnline has awards, TV shows, and reality TV betting too. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, y'all. Baseball season's here, so you know what that means. Fantasy baseball season's here. I've got my first draft set up for this Sunday. With me. (laughs) (laughs) With Gab and other members of the Locked On Podcast uh, baseball community. So, you know, going to be super competitive, but we all have the same edge. And you can get that edge, too, and that's Locked On Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by Scott Cullen, who is data-driven, has nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. He's also in our league, so I may be using his podcast against him. So season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, whatever, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. I can't wait for our draft. I'm going to be terrible, quite frankly, because I don't really, I've done one fantasy league in my entire life. It was football and I shared my team with my boyfriend and he did the bulk of the work. So I was, I was going to say, I can't wait for you to take Xander Bogarts in the first round. I mean, who wouldn't take Xander Bogarts in the first round? Can we be I real mean, me, but Me, but I have my own rules when it comes to fantasy. Not you know, no, not no Red Sox, no Yankees. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, if I could, I would take Ryu in a second. So I know because we have good players this year. Ouch. <laughs> I told you I was gonna get snarky. We have good players. It's just very interesting to see if they will play well as a cohesive unit. I think that's the biggest question for the Red Sox this year is like, can all of these good pieces fit together well? Because a lot of times you'll have a good player or multiple good players, but the teamwork, the teamwork and the team cohesiveness just isn't there. You know, it's not a, it's not a unit. It's just a bunch of individuals. And that's when you have a problem. Well, well, that's going to lead to our final question then. How well do you think the Red Sox are going to do against the Blue Jays? And and overall, how do you think Boston's going to perform this year? Um, I definitely think you guys will win the season series. I Thank think you. I think it'll be kind of close though. If we're playing 19 games against each other, I think maybe like we'll win seven or eight of them. Mm-hmm. But I just think you guys have such a dominant lineup and you've got some good pitching now and that's what I've been saying about the Blue Jays for the last couple years is like you've got you guys just needed more good pitching um and now you have it I think you guys will win the series but I think that the Red Sox might you know give you a little bit of trouble on occasion 
I will say JBJ really liked homering off of you guys. <laughs> and I will miss that. Not on the same level as Rowdy Telez facing us, but he kind of he kind of had a little bit of Blue Jays killer in him. So I will miss that for sure. What do you predict for our series? What do you think? How do you think it's going to shake out at the end of 19 games? Um, so here's the thing. It always seems like Eduardo Rodriguez has great starts against the Blue Jays. So I'm not thrilled to see him back for for this season. So I think you're going to win. I'm going to say three out of four starts that Rodriguez has against the Blue Jays. But, you know, against the rest of that rotation, we've we've had some levels of success. We've been able to hit Eovaldi. Um, we've been able to hit your boy Martin Perez. Um, Nick Pavetta, you don't know where his allegiances lie, so... <laughs> just just kidding just kidding but yeah Garrett Richards was a good signing for your rotation and, and only to bolster that a bit but like you said we're just we're topping down so good like as long as our pitching staff is able to hold up and as we've been recording this episode we're getting news that Julian Merriweather is now shut down for the week with back tightness so you know fun but as long as the staff is healthy enough to be able to work around um, some of the, some of the guys in your lineup, like you know Rafael Devers always hits against the Blue Jays, but we've had a little more success against JD Martinez. Hopefully, we've learned not to throw softballs to Hunter Renfro. So I think you're correct that the Blue Jays are going to win the season series. I think it's going to be like eleven eight in that ballpark, but I think they're going to be competitive and I like that they're actually going to be competitive as opposed to just me sitting there watching the screen saying, please, please don't put this in JD Martinez's wheelhouse. Oh no. Oh, there it goes. Okay. All Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) You know, so I'm looking forward to that. How do you think you guys are going to finish your season? In the playoffs. I said last week, I want to see an ALCS. Um, But I will take ALDS because then that'll mean like they either won the division or they won the wildcard game. They need to start experiencing victories in the postseason. So that's what I'm looking for to make this a success. I'm not looking for, you know, World Series champion, get the champagne out. Just continuing that progress that was made in 2020 and continuing that growth to put the Blue Jays in a position to compete every year. That's going to be the key thing. That's that's a step they're going to have to take is, is consistent competitiveness. You know, I think that you guys will be consistently competitive this year. I think it's going to be really fun to watch your team. You know, everyone's talking about like the Padres and the Dodgers, but you guys are going to be a real force in the American League this year. And I can't wait to watch it and root for you whenever you're not playing my team. So <laughs> we thank you for your support. Well, of course. I mean, I think you guys have a young, fun team and baseball just needs more fun. And the Blue Jays bring the fun. And like, I embrace that. I mean, as long as it's not Rowdy Telez hitting seven home runs off of the Red Sox in the three game <laughs> series, like, you know, hey, I'm here for it. I think, I think baseball is more fun when the teams are just all competitive. And I know that that's like kind of impossible, but it's definitely possible more than it's been. I I really like a game where it's a battle. Mm. 
you know, it's give me always that. more entertaining when there's actually the threat of a comeback. Exactly. And there usually isn't. Baseball should be competitive almost all the time. Yes, but what do you do to make Pittsburgh competitive? Um, salary for? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I just wanted to get a shot at Pittsburgh. Even, Trevor even though I'm making more than an entire team's payroll. <laughs> Again, Gab, thank you for joining me and, you know, have a wonderful conversation about how good the Blue Jays are going to be this year because I love it when my tires get pumped, so... Hey, I'm always here to pump your tires about my other favorite American League team. I'm going to wrap this up for us here. Thank you so much for listening to our latest Division Day. As always, subscribe to Locked on Red Sox and Locked on Blue Jays so that you never miss Division Day or any of our other episodes. Follow AJ on Twitter at A underscore J underscore Andrews. Check out Locked on Blue Jays. It's at Locked on Jays. No blue. Mm You can follow me on Twitter at GFSTAR1. You can follow Locked on Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Wear a mask. And as always, go baseball. Because I can't say Locked on Reds and go Red Sox when it's across. <laughs> we can say Twitter is dumb because that's what I say. Uh, okay, that too. Twitter is dumb. But follow us <laughs> anyway. Exactly. <laughs>